you have your Bibles, and you can stand, if you would, again. Colossians chapter 3. We'll be reading the first four verses, and then we'll depart for a little while from those verses. Colossians 3, the first four verses. By the way, uh, Jason read part of them in his reading this morning, but it's all right. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Are you there? Say amen. amen. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. And here's why. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. What a promise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement we we receive, the promises that are real and are certain to come about. Father, help us open our hearts to be receptive to your word, to allow the Spirit of God to do a work in our hearts. We'll give you the praise and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you then be risen with Christ. And we'll come back to that in a few moments toward the end of our message today because I think I need to lay some groundwork that I didn't do early on. Because our, our, our whole topic the last few weeks and for the next couple of weeks is developing a heavenly mindset. Developing a heavenly mindset. Now remember, as Christians, we need to conduct our lives in a manner that moves us closer to heaven. I'm on my way. How about you? Not there yet, but my hope is secure through Christ my Lord. And because we've been born again, we have an eternal citizenship in heaven. And the longer I live, the more I realize I'm only a pilgrim here. I'm just passing through. I remember as a young Christian, I'd hear the preacher talk about how brief this life is. I said, you're crazy, man. I mean, I, I, I was only 22 years old when I got saved. And I thought, I've got a lot of years. I was talking to somebody the other day and I said, where do those years go? I mean, I woke up one day and, whoa, what happened? <laughs> and not only have the years gone by, my body reminds me of it every day now. Now, you know, I've told you over and over, I don't like Brother Dick Harvey. I never did like Brother Paul Snodgrass much either. Because he'd always warn me, he's always warned me about this. And the sad thing is, he, he was right. So I realized, this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. The Bible speaks about two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world. And the kingdom of heaven. 
And we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And a citizen is a person who legally belongs to a country. And because they belong to that country, they have the rights and protection of that country. A citizen then adopts that culture and adopts the practices of the nation or kingdom to which they belong. If you're a citizen of a kingdom, act like it. Amen. Now, every human being has been born into the kingdom of this world. And I'll remind you, it's the kingdom Satan rules. Years ago, man, years ago, gosh, you know I come from a large family. And uh, one of my younger brothers, I have five brothers, four still living. And uh, he wasn't very old. He was probably in school. He was he got caught up in watching these kind of races on TV, you know, the I don't know, NASCAR and all that kind of stuff, you know. And he said, you know, he said, well, when I get old enough, he said, I, I want to join that NASCAR race. And he mentioned several. And he said, you know, when I get old enough, old enough, I'm going to join the human race. Now, he didn't know, you know, he was serious. But the fact of the matter, how many know you were born in the human race? We were born citizens of this world. A world in which Satan rules. The Apostle Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And Paul wrote, In whom the God, that's Satan, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now make no mistake about it, Satan is the God of this world. Now just a side note, we won't dwell long on it, but you know when Satan tempted Christ, he offered to give him this world. It was Satan's to give. He's the God of this world world. So because he's the God of this world, Satan is, and because you were born into this world, all of us have grown up adopting the culture, the practices, and the values of the one who instigates it. And that is Satan itself. And folks, that process began in the Garden of Eden. Remember, there's only two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world, where Satan rules, or the kingdom of heaven, where God rules. But he's the one who instigated us to live the way we used to live. And it began in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, Hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? How many know Satan wants to, wants us to doubt God's word? 
So began in chapter 3 of Genesis, when Satan came into the scene, and he asked the question, did God really say? First John adds light to our topic this morning, verse uh, chapter 2, verse 16 of 1 John. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So what began in the garden several thousand years ago continues today. Because John reminds us in 1 John 2.16 that everything that's in the world, it's not of the Father. It's of the world. <clears throat> now, by the way, when John uses that particular word world there, He's not referring to creation. Because, without a doubt, God created this world. Without a doubt, creation was certainly of the Father. Because the Bible says, and hear me well, God created everything. Amen. So, John's not referring to the created world. John is referring to the present evil system that is ruled by Satan and opposed to God. Now, by the way, I have to remind myself, when I look around and see the corruption in our world, in our government, it's because they're serving the God of this world. He instigates that. And there's nothing of this present evil system that God is a part of. So this world is that system, that evil system that God opposes. Now remember, we were born into this kind of world. Satan was our God. But the problem is, Satan's kingdom enslaves people. You got that? Romans chapter 6, verse 16. The Bible says this, Do you not know? Thank God for what we can know. Forget about how you feel. Your feelings change. Your emotions change. Sometimes you might have your worst fight on the way to church. So we can't go on what we feel, how we feel, but thank God we can go on what we know. So the Bible says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. How many know sinners sin because they want to? Yeah. Now I gotta tell you, 
Thank God he delivered me. But I was a pretty good sinner. Now, by the way, I wasn't as bad as Rick. Or Paul Wheeler. Or Charlie Glover. That's my opinion. I didn't even know these folks back then, all right? And while I may not have been as bad as I could be, I was as bad off as I ever could be. And the problem with sin is because our hearts and minds were darkened. And we blindly followed our leader into the very sins that pulled us deeper and deeper and deeper into slavery. Now, by the way, I, I, I don't know that I would have. But I, I, I've often thought, boy, when I was a sinner, if, if somebody came to me and said, Satan was your God, I might have punched him in the mouth. It certainly would have offended me. But the fact of the matter, that was the truth. That was the truth. And the problem was we didn't realize it because our minds were darkened. We were instigated by the God of this world. And so the sin we participated in only drew us farther and deeper into slavery. And so we remain captives in this kingdom of sin. And folks, you realize we were headed for destruction until Jesus comes and sets us free. I'm so glad that Isaiah prophesied that the Savior would come and set the captive free. I know what he's talking about. I've experienced that. I've been set free from the slavery of sin. Now, I want to remind all of us today, there is a difference. There is a noticeable difference between those who desire fellowship with Jesus Christ, our Lord, and those who focus on earthly pursuits. Ephesians chapter 2, the first five verses. And you, the ones who were dead in trespasses and sins, you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Notice that. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? Satan, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, Just as others. Don't you like verse 4? But God. Maybe I should do a series on that. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when, thank God, we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace, you have been saved. 
So there's a difference between those who want fellowship with God and those who pursue worldly pursuits. Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Paul says, many of whom, I'm sorry, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Now remember, there are two kingdoms. The kingdom of this world, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven. And it's interesting, here in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, Paul gives us a brief description of those who are citizens of this world. Now remember... We are in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. So how, what, what, what's the deal here? What, what separates, how do we know who is who, which is which? And again, there is a difference between those who desire the kingdom of God and those who don't. Well, first of all, Paul tells us, that if you're a citizen of this world, your destiny is what? It's destruction. Now, by the way, boy, I was reading this week. Who's the guy that played on Star Trek? William Shatner. He's older than Rick. And he made a statement. He said, I finally realized... I'm not going to live forever. Good point, right? Now, I don't know anything about him personally, other than I watch, I don't even watch Star Trek anymore. I used to watch a little bit. Pam had a brother-in-law. He wouldn't miss it, okay? But at any rate, uh, wow. But the problem with most in this world, if they've not been saved, everyone who lives for this world, I'm convinced they're going to find their destiny is to be different than they hoped for. It's not what they thought they would get. Some years ago, Jerry Clower, that great theologian, gave a speech at some college out west. First question he asked them in that graduation ceremony, he said, when you get where you're going, where will you be? Yeah. And those who live in this world, their destiny is destruction. I gotta tell you, if they don't turn to Christ, when they get where they are, they won't like where they be. But second of all, those who are caught up in this world system, their God is their stomach. Think about that. They are worshiping temporary things, temporary elements that only satisfy physical desires. <laughs> what a sad way to live. What a sad way to live. So, for citizens of the world, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, then the Bible says their glory 
is in their shame. They glory in themselves. Uh, my dad called me, or we talked at least once a week. But anyway, he talks, I listen. Well, I hear the words. And he was talking about some of the things he accomplished while he was in, uh, in General Motors in maintenance, and he was a, a super a foreman there, and some of the ideas he came up with. And I said, well, did you ever break your arm? He said, what do you mean? Pat yourself on the back, I mean. We have to be careful there. And those who live in this world, they glory in themselves. When they should have been ashamed of what they were doing, they should have been ashamed to the point where they realize what I'm doing is wrong and then turn to God for salvation. But they glory. Their glory is in their shame. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. And the fourth thing says, their mind, Paul says, their mind is on earthly things. That's all they think about. Colossians 3, 1, part of our text. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And so we look at citizens of this world. And you have to realize that those without Christ, they live only for this world. They're not concerned about heavenly things. They live only for the pleasures they can find for themselves. And it's interesting, even James in his epistle he addressed the hedonistic attitude that even comes in the church sometimes because how we have been groomed by the God of this world. And because they are citizens of this world, they live by the world's standards and they live by the world's value systems. And church, I'll remind you, we are not citizens of this kingdom. And the only way for anyone to be set free from this world system is to be born again. <laughs> Amen. John 3, verse 3, Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How many know the free will Baptist didn't write that? How many know the Methodist or any other denomination didn't write that? Jesus said that. You must be born again. Interesting phrase. Born anew. Born from above. You must be born again. And the only way to be born again is by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And once we place our faith in Christ as our Savior, we trust His finished work on Calvary, we are born into the kingdom of God. Thank God for that. And by the way, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is totally 
is a totally different realm than the kingdom of this world. And let me tell you something this morning. You need to get this down. In spite of what many people think, not everyone will enter into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, we'll, get, we'll do the verse later on. Not all those who cry, Lord, Lord. Only those who do the will of the Father. Only those who do the will of the Father are the only ones who will enter the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, to do the will of God implies a relationship with God. Amen. I mean, if you're going to do God's will, you've got to know His will. If we're going to know His will, we've got to know God. So it implies a relation with God, but also the ability to communicate with God, to know His will, and then be able not just to know His will, but to do His will. To do His will. And it's that kind of fruit that reveals the person who will enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm going. How about you? I want to know the will of God. I want to do the will of God. I lived for this world the first 22 years of my life, and I didn't like that. But now, I serve a brand new king. I'm part of a new kingdom. I'm a citizen of a heavenly kingdom. And the great news is everyone, everyone who have had a spiritual rebirth in Christ, we now enjoy a citizenship in heaven. Thank God this world is not my home. But not only do I enjoy that citizenship, we eagerly await for a Savior there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, He's coming again. He is coming again. I find it kind of interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, spent a great deal of time while here on earth uh, explaining the kingdom of heaven. Trying to at least help us to wrap our our, our finite minds around this great concept that we are citizens of a brand new kingdom, not of this world. And he can, you know, he compared heaven to a lot of things. It's like a pearl of great price. It's not everything you have. Amen. But one of the things he compared the kingdom of heaven to was a wheat field. And the wheat field he used, there were weeds growing in that wheat field. And early on in the growth process, all those plants looked the same. But it wasn't long as the growth process continued. They found out there were weeds in the wheat field. You know the story. Should we pull them out and all leave them alone? You know why? One day God will pull them out. God will separate them. And so even though they appeared identical at first... 
In the parable, they were separated at harvest time. So the truth of the matter is, often the citizens of heaven and those of the world may appear identical. And the bottom line is, only God knows for sure. I don't know. Now, by the way, I'm convinced if we're on the way to heaven, it'll show. It'll show. Only God knows the difference. Romans chapter 8, verse 19, Paul is writing, and I almost hesitate to even say that anymore because it is the Word of God. It is Spirit-breathed. <coughs> Excuse me. For the, the Bible says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits, or eagerly waits, for the revealing of the sons of God. Who are the sons of God? The church. We are. And the Bible says there's going to come a time when God is going to reveal to this world those who are His. Peter says, and we talked about this morning on Sunday, a peculiar people which means a people of his own possession. And this will happen at the second return of Christ, when he returns for a people. That will be the day when God will reveal who his children really are. And there will be no mistake about it. It will be a time when God will separate the sheep from the goats. A time he will separate the wheat from the tares. And God makes no mistakes. But the good news is those of us who are the sons of God, we will share in his glory. Thank God. We will share in his glory and we're going to receive our complete redemption. Now I know that I was saved back in January of 1974, almost 10 years ago now. By my math. (laughs) Been a long time. But the fact of the matter Since the time I gave my life to Christ, I am in the process of being saved. What became true positionally is now being fleshed out day by day. And one day, I will share in the glory of Jesus Christ and my redemption will be complete. And the Bible says, Paul reminds us here in Romans, that all of creation, the entire universe, is looking Forward to the conclusion of God's plan. Aren't you glad you're part of it? Amen. So again, there are many who appear to be citizens of heaven. When in fact, they have never been born again. There's been no rebirth. Christ has never become truly their Savior. We referred to this verse earlier, if I can say it, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad I'm not a citizen of this world anymore. I've got a new kingdom. By the way, when God... 
when God gives us this citizenship, this uh, citizenship in the kingdom of heaven, the Bible says we become brand new creatures. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If we are in the kingdom of God, if God has granted citizenship, we are now a new creation in God. And the reason that is, because the day you're saved, God sends His Holy Spirit to indwell our life. He indwells our body. We are now the temple of the God of the universe. And the God of the universe dwells in us. What an exciting thing. The God of the universe now dwells in us. And that's the only way we become new creatures. We can't do it on our own. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Another thing we need to know. We're the temple of God. First Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. What? Know ye not? There it again. Know, know what? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you. And you have a, of God and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Spirit of God comes in at the moment of salvation. He begins to transform our sinful, worldly desires, and He changes them to desires that will then glorify God. He's working in Romans 12, first two verses. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, by the way, our topic is becoming heavenly minded. In order to become heavenly minded, we've got to be transformed. We can't conform. We've got to be transformed. Our mind has to be renewed. That, my friend, is the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot transform ourselves. Nor can we renew our mind to ourselves. It always requires the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the goal of the Holy Spirit living in us is to make us as much like Jesus as possible while we live here on this earth. Romans 8 verse 29. For whom he, God, did foreknow us, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. So there is a difference between citizen of this world and the citizen of heaven. Those who have been born again are given the power, and not only the power, but the privilege 
of exiting this world's flawed system. Satan no longer controls my life. God is the Lord of my life. I hope he is yours. Let's stand together. Wow. My prayer this morning is that you're allowing God to work on your life. That you are developing a heavenly mindset. That your affections have moved from things on this world to things in heaven. That our thoughts are godly. And my friend, it's worth it all. If you're listening online or wherever you are this morning, if if you've never received Christ as your Savior, and I know you don't like to hear this, but Satan is the God of your life. You may not realize it, but he is. You sin because he incites you to do it, but you make the decision. You're guilty. But Christ came to offer you freedom from that sin, freedom from slavery of sin. That's why he died on Calvary. He came, in fact, to seek and save those who are lost. Father, right now, I just pray you'll speak to our hearts. Lord, you would draw us near to you, and especially those without Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.